0: Welcome back as we head into Hour 3. It's a delight to have in studio with me John Shattuck, former congressman representing the old Arizona 4th Congressional District. He is the uh, head principal at Shattuck & Associates. He spells his last name S-H-A-D-E-G-G for you youngins out there who don't know the legacy of the Shattuck family. And uh, I knew I wanted him in town, he uh, in studio today, because... um, John, uh, when he served in Congress, was uh, no stranger to a lot of congressional investigations uh, and inquiries, particularly of the Clinton administration and Bill Clinton in those days. Uh, but he is also a uh, an attorney uh, of record in his own right. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. Great to be here. I, I'm curious, just— 50,000-foot level, when you saw and read the, the Bill the bill of Goods yesterday, the indictment, first first impressions, first thoughts is what you thought Alvin Bragg and the Donald Trump uh, case uh, looked like to you.
1: Well, like a lot of others, I thought there would be more there. Uh, there just isn't there there. thirty thirty four 34 counts. I was thinking about it today. It, it, it's like well, we're going to make this really serious because we have 34 speeding tickets, mm-hmm. all of which are uh, um, separate violations, except that 34 speeding tickets w- would be worse yeah. because in 34 speeding tickets you would have endangered people <laughs> 34 different times. I gather from yeah. separate That's tickets, yeah. and it would and and this was one instant mm-hmm. or one incident, uh, and it's. Uh, uh, at best, a paperwork uh, failure, which the legislature of the state of New York made a misdemeanor. And I don't see how he has. You can read lots of others with more authority than I have, how he can take any one of those and make it into a felony. He has to link it to some other felony crime and he hasn't got one. It's not there Uh I guess the allegation everybody thought he was going to come up with was a felony criminal violation of the uh, finance campaign, campaign finance laws. And I've spent a lot of time in those laws and there are a fair number of felonies, but uh, this ain't one of them. And, and, and it doesn't even show uh, – I don't think it shows uh, uh, any kind of a an intent to figure out how to – Engage in a campaign finance scheme. How are we going to funnel, you know, a million dollars to candidate Smith? You know, if they worked hard at coming up with a scheme to do that, well, you could say that was really wrong. Actually, years and years ago, uh, I was working on a campaign with my dad. Uh, Russ Williams was the Republican candidate for governor. Uh, His opponent, uh, and I'll leave his name out of it, the Democrat, uh, we discovered the AFL-CIO cut a check to the Democrats' campaign. And they cut it, you know, I want to say like eight days before a filing deadline. Well, they managed to stall and goof around, and the check went first So they to could one report person, it to another quarter. Then to another yeah. person, then finally got hand-delivered to the campaign the day after the filing deadline. And it, it looked for the world like the delay was intended to make sure that uh, the Democrat candidate did not have to report uh, a contribution from the AFL-CIO. Arizona then and now is a big right-to-work state. Uh, We do not have a large organized labor uh, constituency, certainly didn't have one then. We were proud that we were a right-to-work state. And so you could see they had every motive so that uh, the Democrat candidate could continue to keep saying that he had not gotten any contributions from organized labor. Uh, and in fact, uh, we knew he had. And it was one of those things where the AFL CIO had a different set of filing deadlines than the candidate had under federal law. And the AFL CIO had filed according to their schedule and reported the contribution, but the candidate. Uh, did not file and report the contribution, and they figured out how to just stall. And I, uh, I suppose I was in I was I was in college at the time. I think I don't think I was in law school, but I was outraged that they could have done this, and I wanted the, uh, the uh, Russ Williams campaign to make a big deal out of it because you know you can gut these laws, and 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 whether or not. The Democrat candidate was heavily supported by organized labor was a big issue. So that you can see is, you know, it's real deceit here. You know, it's like, well, everybody knew uh, what was going on anyway. And to a certain degree, what we're doing is this. In in some ways, there's two sides to this coin. On the one hand, you know, the Democrats are trying to make a big deal out of the fact that he made a hush payment. Uh, And, of course, Uh, People are there are all kinds of agreements uh, saying, look, I won't I won't take anything from your company. Um, And so I get paid a certain amount of money to not take information with me. But the fair way to look at this is that Stormy Daniels was extorting him. She said, I'm going to go tell the world that this happened, whether it's truthful or not, unless you pay me money. I guess the first thing I would say is. Well, if you want to be paid money uh, not to claim something happened, well, then it must be salacious. And what's your motivation? You know, did you just find a lucky mark where because of their position in life, you can make money off of it? Is that what we want to encourage? Uh, So anybody who wants to can make up a story about somebody who's wealthy and say, "Eh, yeah, I'm going to go public and claim that you did X if you don't pay me not to do that whether there's merit to the claim or not.
0: So I I think that's a great way to explain it, actually, because it looks like um, at best they had a misdemeanor that doesn't even really it kind of gets the look away test, that misdemeanor in most cases, you know, that (laughs) for those in law school that missed the look away test, there is a look away. test. (laughs) It's like, you know, that that's just not worth our time or energy. And there are bigger cases against Donald Trump. Agree or disagree with them? The one in Georgia, the special prosecutor case. I guess the New York State Agenre, uh, Attorney General, Letitia James, has a has a case of more substance. Brett Johnson was earlier making the point. I had not dawned on me that if you are handling, if you are the prosecutors handling, you know, potential indictments or charges in those cases. Um, and you look at this coming out of the box with the flimsiest of cases, which could very well and probably likely will go Donald Trump's ultimate way. Um, not only have you lost the court of public opinion, uh, but you may have lost the ability to even use some of the witnesses you wanted, because if you're Alvin Bragg, you want those witnesses for your case, but they may have to be immunized for the other cases um, based on potential liabilities they may have he may have in other words exonerated Donald Trump across the board with the flimsiness of this case possible it's a possible way of looking at it had not
1: dawned on me though I think the worst damage that is done is not that one though I think that one is significant and and uh, I'm not at all surprised at who raised it because he's a smart guy yeah, that's good Brett's smart uh, and it could well have that effect what bothers me most really has nothing to do with Donald Trump. It has to do with faith in America, faith in the American institutions, one of those institutions which is vital and I would argue distinguishes from not only every banana republic, but every country in the world without uh, a genuine justice system uh, is people believe that they're going to be treated fairly in the United States. Um, And in this case, uh, this prosecutor by deciding to bring uh, such a clearly political case with such little merit has gone light years in convincing the American, the average American that, well, Maybe our criminal justice system isn't that much better if he if he and you talked about it as the uh, look away test. Yeah, Um, I spent many years working for Bob Corbin Mm -hmm. and Bob Corbin was uh, the most law is the law Mm -hmm. individual I ever met. And the most the law is the law individual, I think, who's ever served as attorney general. It did not matter Uh, who you brought up to him, whether it was a powerful politician like uh, Sam Steiger uh, or whoever, uh, or uh, whether it was a Republican or a Democrat, Bob's question was, what's the law and we're going to follow it? Here, the message everybody is receiving is, well, no, that's not the way the system works. People with political influence can get out of crimes or... People with political influence, Mike, like Mr. Bragg, can prosecute individuals who clearly don't deserve it.
0: Yeah, they're saying who's the guy and we'll find a law to get him. That's go. that's that. <laughs> Let me pick up on that with you when we come back. John Shattuck is our guest. Congressman John Shattuck, head of Shattuck Associates here in town. Former congressman representing Arizona's old fourth congressional district, um, the best fourth congressional district, especially when he was serving it. He and I will be Thank right you. back. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson show. During the break, I was just talking with uh, Congressman Shattig about his tenure. He mentioned um, working for Attorney General uh, Corbin. It sounds like we were talking about some of the people that were in the office at the time. It sounds like a real legal um, legal dream team uh, that it, you had over in there. It was a resolution. great place to work. Yeah. And, yeah. and
1: the people that worked for Bob Corbyn were just in awe of what a straight shooter he was. I, I, I once worked— In a law firm with a very prominent Democrat, and he had moved to Arizona from another state, uh, lived here for a few years, and uh, his neighbors approached him and said, you know, you ought to run for attorney general. Mm. And he said, what? And they said, yeah, you're, you're a bright guy and you're a good guy you ought to run for attorney general and he said well the current attorney general is bob Corbin.
0: <laughs> and they
1: and they all said okay yeah. and and this individual lifelong and a solid democrat said bob corbin's the most honest individual i've ever uh-huh. known and the best ag we've ever known Why in God's name would I run against Bob
0: Corbin? (laughs) Even frightened off the Democrats. There you go. We were talking right before the break, John, about, you know, the idea behind the American system of justice that most of us, at least I guess, grew up with from schoolhouse rock or elementary civics was that um, justice should be blind. uh, That is to say, regardless of the person. uh, And you take the laws. You said the Corbin model was, which we thought was the standard model. And uh, regardless of the person, it's whether the law matches them. Robert Jackson, uh, FDR's attorney general and then great Supreme Court justice, gave a speech to US attorneys in uh, 19 in uh, before he went to the Supreme Court when he was still the attorney general and he said when the prosecutor I'm quoting directly when the prosecutor picks some person whom he dislikes or desires to embarrass or selects some group of unpopular persons and then looks for an offense that is where the greatest danger of abuse of prosecutorial power lies it's hard it's it's hard to think that anything but that was going on here these are cases or shall we say misdemeanors that no one would have looked to prosecute in the first place. I mean, particularly, OK, I don't know, maybe Kansas City. I don't know. Maybe Paradise Valley. I don't know. Maybe Tempe. But you think about Manhattan, where you have a 25 percent increase in, 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 in violent crimes and a 50, 52 percent decrease of felonies to two misdemeanors by this district attorney. You would think that there are bigger fish to fry than um, than bookkeeping details.
1: Absolutely, you would, and it really is a part of the credibility of democracy. I would argue. Um, you called it the "look away" test. Yeah. Uh, uh, your audience is a bright audience and probably understood that immediately. But the the preferred or correct word is prosecutorial discretion. That's
0: the, fr- that's the term and, of art. Yeah. And
1: mm-hmm. prosecutors have to exercise and do exercise prosecutorial discretion every day. In allocating the resources of their offices and saying, OK, what should we go after here in order to keep society as safe uh, and as honest as we can? Uh, sometimes you go after uh, street crime. You know, it's a murder or it's a robbery or it's a gang shooting to keep the streets safe. Sometimes you go after a white collar crime because the marketplace needs to be kept safe. In this case, uh, yeah, who's the victim? That's a great question. (laughs) Who's victimized by this? And what message are we sending uh, by going after this? Uh, uh, To me, it is a it it, it is a and you almost can't make too big a deal of it to tell the American people that with a political background and a clear political motive to get the guy you want to get, you're going to waste resources going after this where uh, she is extorting him and when it's already publicized. I don't applaud his conduct, um, but uh, it didn't it didn't keep that news from getting to the public. Everybody knew by Election Day uh, what he had done. And everybody who absolutely found right. that to be unacceptable in a po- prospective public official could vote based on it. So now what are we doing? Yeah. Wasting mo- money on prosecuting it this many years later. And I think it does have a chance of impacting the future cases. In part, we look back and believe in our justice system because prior prosecutors, prior people in the history of this country who've had the power Mr. Bragg had chose to use it uh, appropriately. Yeah. And Cyrus here, he, Vance
0: is no slouch of the Democratic Party, right? We were talking about he, Brzezinski earlier. Vance was a big name in the Carter administration. His daddy, I guess, or granddaddy, but yeah. Right. I just
1: waste it. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of another story I think I've mentioned when I've been here. Um, in the years after I left, Washington, left Congress but was living or working in Washington, D.C., I would often take cabs, and often they would be driven by individuals who were born somewhere else, uh, somewhere in Africa or somewhere else around the world, maybe in India. And I would engage them in a conversation, and that ultimately would get, you know, "Do do you have children here? Are you married? Have you been here long? Do you like America? And the vast majority would come back and say, I love America. My kids love America. And I would say to them, well, what do you like about America? And they would say – had one guy say the words, but they would all describe this. They would say rule of law yeah. or describe rule of law and they would point to their country and, and they would say in my country, there is no what we believe as a rule of law. It's a rule of, no man, rule of man, right?
0: It's a rule of dictator, right? It,
1: well, it's, a, it's really a rule of, of wealth and power. Okay. They would say point blank in my country – there are laws, um, but they only apply to the poor people. They don't apply to the rich people. That's right. In a few – from a few – with regard to uh, people from a few countries, they'd say in my country it's chaos. There, mm-hmm. There are no laws. But most would say there are laws in my country, but they're not enforced evenly. They're – uh, there's discrimination in their enforcement and it's blatant and it's wholesale and the rich get away with doing whatever they want and the poor don't. And, and the interesting thing about that is that sometimes I would have time to get them to go beyond it. And they would say, well, in my country uh, or I came to the United States and I went to get a driver's license and I got it in a day and there was nothing to it. And then they'd say in my home country, it took me six months mm-hmm. Because I had to figure out which people I had to bribe to get a driver's license. Well, you know, Mr. Bragg has is dragging down the respect in which we as Americans hold the justice system here because he's got the power to convince a grand jury to indict uh, Mr. Trump uh, by manipulating the system and making more out of what happened and not exercising Prosecutorial discretion. It, you know, they the, one of the things they say about uh, grand juries and indictments is, of course, you can indict a ham sandwich. Right. And I spent a little time inside the criminal justice system, and you uh, can do it. You can the, do the it. The
0: code is creative enough to do it. Let me take a quick commercial. you know, the best answer I ever got from a cab driver in D.C. I think he was from Ethiopia when I asked him what he liked best about America. Never forget the best answer: Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Seth Leapson. He's John Shattuck. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson show. Congressman John Shattuck is my guest. Uh, John, I think a lot of people were kind of slack jawed over Hillary Clinton's ability to jump through uh, the Death Star of legal or criminal or even civil or campaign finance prosecutions for the uh, multi <laughs> multifaceted uh, creative uh, <laughs> creative campaigning and use of lawyers and second and third parties to hide uh, what she was trying to do with the steel dossier and other things i think a lot of people were wondering how is it that you can destroy evidence in a case uh, 33000 emails and destroy everything that you would think of as usually obstruction of justice or destruction of evidence. Um, and, and and she walks free, um, while at the same time you have something like this, a payment over an alleged affair that— we can call a non-disclosure agreement. We can call hush money. Something I'm sure Bill Clinton was no stranger to. In and of himself, probably. <laughs> I'm sure that there are a lot of television networks that engage in this kind of thing all the time with some of their some of their talents. Um, that 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 it lands this heavily on an ex-president of the United States. One can be surprised that the Clintons got away with so much. In one respect. And one can be surprised that this is coming after Donald Trump in another respect. But what it highlights is what you were kind of getting at in the previous segment. The criminal law is not only creative enough to get anyone it really wants to, if you have a zealous enough prosecutor. But the law as it stands now is also creative enough if you're of the right party or if you're of the right last name to get you out of legal trouble. And there does seem to be this sense, not just in the audience of conservative talk radio, but there does seem to be this sense in America that there are two standards of justice. There is one rule for the Greeks and one for the Romans, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Bill Buckley had this line, quad licit jovi non licit bovi, what's good for the gods is not good for the swine. And it does seem Republicans in the elite circles of what, goes for the practice of law right now are kind of the swine or the cattle, and the Democrats are uh, kind of the gods who you can't touch. Am I am I striking any nerves when I say something like that? It seems almost a palpable sense I have.
1: I, I mean, I, I think it clearly is. And um, I, in some ways, we can be surprised. I guess I would—the uh, word that comes to my mind is more disappointed. OK. Um who was it? Uh, Paul Harvey, who used to say self-government without self-discipline mm-hmm. won't work. Right. And that's what we're looking at here. Oh. What we're looking at is that any system created by humans for humans, which is what the American justice system is, a system created by humans for humans, is susceptible of corruption if you elect uh, corrupt people uh, to administer it or to monitor it. Here, here, I would argue the uh, the the deceitful person is Mr. Bragg, not Mr. Trump. He he has figured out, and when you watched him yesterday, he he declared before he got elected that he wanted to indict and would indict Donald Trump, and then he figured out a way to do it when uh, the vast majority, I think, of American people. Uh, or at least the scholars in the country, know that this is just a complete abuse of the system. And, and then you look at and you say, well, it, it happens all too often and it keeps happening. Um, Hillary Clinton is a perfect example. She, she, the documents she destroyed, and people forget about this, the documents she destroyed had been subpoenaed That's right. before That's right. she used a hammer and bleach bit on right. it. And yet she walks completely free, totally skates and is on TV, you know, living her life and out there with her daughter having a good time. Uh, Hunter Biden. Yeah. um, He he throws a gun in a trash can near a school. He lies. (laughs) That's right. He lies on a form to get that gun. That's right. And is anything happening? I mean, you know, don't in in think, a party
0: that tends to want to go after don't possession.
1: Don't you think they problematic could
0: just gun possession, yeah.
1: prosecute him for that little thing and say, oh, look, here – we're not going to allow people to do that.
0: Let me let me pick up on that. This was a short segment. We'll have a longer one coming back. Let me pick up on that when we come back with you, John Shattuck. John Shattuck is our guest. Congressman John Shattuck. Congressman to me. Congressman to y'all. Maybe a congressman again someday or a senator or a governor <laughs> or something. You're too good not to be in elective office, John. My biggest lament every time I see you walk in is you're not coming in as an elected representative anymore. It was a better place in Washington when you were there, which makes this a better place in the studio when you're here. John and I will be right back. Welcome back. Congressman John Shattig is our in-studio guest this hour. John, you were talking about you were doing some of the recitations of things that made no sense when there were no prosecutions brought against Hillary Clinton, for that matter, Hunter Biden. There has been talk. It died down over the last day a little bit. But there has been talk that Mr. Bragg has perhaps forever changed the criminal justice system with the criminalization of politics or the criminalization of political actors you don't like because the gates are now open. As we said earlier, the criminal code, whether it's state or federal, is creative enough to indict a ham sandwich, to indict any human being if they wanted to. Um, There was this notion that, uh, you know, if we're going to go after someone like a president or an ex-president or a presidential candidate, it should be clear uh, that there was a violation that we all understand. That's another aspect of this which is odd to me, this abstruse effort to understand what it is exactly Mr. Bragg is is indicting Donald Trump on, if you're going to go after a whale like this, you, you should have something, if you're going to break precedent, you should have something clear and explicable. That's one issue. The other issue is um, revenge, uh, revenge prosecutions. I mean, it won't be hard to find district attorneys who are Republican who now see the gates opening here. And we have just turned uh, uh, the Tuesdays, the, 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 the first Tuesdays in November, into uh, court cases and grand juries all across the country. That's a concern, I think.
1: I think it's a very legitimate concern. Um, Faith by the people in uh, their country, in their laws, and in their elected officials is vital to the success of the country. I mean, uh, you don't see uh, fantastic progress being made by nations where there is no rule of law. Sometimes by sheer size they do all right, uh, or the dictator runs them well to make himself look good. Uh, but uh, it's not a, 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 an attribute. Uh, if if the country is corrupt, that's not an attribute of success or prosperity for the people. It makes me a little proud, and this is we get into this debate of well, so Mr. Bragg is accountable. He'll have to stand election. Uh, It makes me a little proud of Arizona because in Arizona, we have recall. Mm -hmm. And I think that you will not see in Arizona, perhaps, uh, a rush to vindictive prosecutions by prosecutors, in part because they know they don't get to wait till the next election. Uh, I'm pretty confident New York doesn't have uh, the power of recall. But here in Arizona, we do. Uh, When our state was born the electorate was very, very distrustful of government, very distrustful of political leaders, and they created the power of recall, which a number of states have, so that if they elected somebody and then they uh, decided as a society that that individual was not carrying out their responsibilities properly, they could file a petition for recall. And I think, uh, this is another story we've talked about, Uh, We submitted our initial constitution to the federal government. It called it allowed the recall of judges. Uh, The then president of the United States was offended having been a judge. And so he vetoed that version of the constitution. Uh, It came back to Arizona. We took the power of recall of judges out, submitted the new the revised constitution to Congress. Uh, We became a state. The president signed it. And the very next election, we put recall (laughs) of judges right back in. (laughs) So it would be one way to make
0: Mr. Uh,
1: Bragg accountable by recall and say, you know, you want to waste resources on this case. I I would love to see this case uh, result in a situation where a motion to dismiss is filed pretty quickly and the judge looks at it and says, This is a monumental disservice that's done damage to the justice system. And what I can do is spike it and say, no, one prosecutor with a vendetta isn't going to destroy the reputation of the entire judicial system that has served this country so well.
0: I was thinking a little bit about something, and I haven't had a chance to state it yet, but there is something about this violation of the – Miss, I don't know. Mis misidentification of one hundred and thirty thousand dollars and the resources taken to turn this into the crime of the century. You know, you're 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 an experienced attorney. How many people in the civil context have wanted to sue someone and come to you to ask you to to sue on their behalf as their plaintiff's attorney? Um, And and you know, it's it's about an Amount or over an amount that you tell them, Look, we can do this if you want, but you're going to be spending, you know, 10x to recover half of 2y, you know? Um, we, we've been, you, you, you probably go through that almost on a daily basis in, in the civil law practice. It, it, it seems someone, some adult in the room should be telling Mr. Bragg that the expenditure of millions of dollars and the resources of the once vaunted DA's office in Manhattan shouldn't shouldn't be lex non curat de minimis. The law doesn't doesn't does the law does not deal with trifles. Someone should have told that to him. Maybe it will be this judge. We know this judge has a partisan view because we elect judges in New York, but maybe the judge doesn't want to be presiding over such a flimsy case and taking that which is silly and trying to make it look serious, maybe.
1: And at least there's some slight indication of that. It appears he's trying, uh, at least in in some of what he did yesterday, uh, to to be fair-handed or even-handed, or at least to project that he's trying to be uh, even-handed. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that he had a chance to see and certainly didn't have a chance to rule on the merits of the indictment yesterday. Uh, and now it is the job of the defense attorneys for Mr. Trump to make the point that this is, in fact, done damage to the judicial system. This, you know, if it's true and a lot of prosecutors will tell you true, especially when you don't have a reformed grand jury. There, no. there are different forms of grand juries in the United States. Uh, in my experience, what we learned was that. Uh, many states had enacted what laws that reform the grand jury and give the accused more rights. Arizona has a reformed grand jury mm-hmm. system uh, and it 's not as easy to indict a ham sandwich here, but my guess is in new york uh, it 's an unreformed uh, grand jury system, and if one prosecutor decides he 's going to uh, abuse his or her power under that circumstance, they can make uh, a nightmare. Yeah. And and with luck, this judge will see it. Otherwise, who was the labor secretary? Was he labor secretary? Donovan. Who came out and said, yeah. where do I go to get my reputation? Raymond
0: now? Donovan, Reagan's labor secretary. He was exonerated, and he said, and there's a lot of people we know like that, isn't yep. there, John? John Shattuck, you are a prince. Thank you for being with us. Love seeing my you. My pleasure. You betcha. Interesting I'm so day, pleased. sad. Yeah, sad, interesting. Very sad. Good to do it with you, though. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Bank failures, stock market volatility, possible recession on the horizon. Protecting against all of that when you're trying to make investment decisions, Refi asks, what if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to any of that, not the stock market, not the Fed. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly monthly statement will look like with no surprises. Where your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. You can turn your monthly income on and off, on or off. Compound it whatever you like with no loss of principal. If you need your money back at any time, think of that freedom. A secure collateralized portfolio with a f- high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%. Check them out. Why Refi Local? You can visit with them. I know them really well. You won't get a sales pitch. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn, as I say, up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at com. That's invest, the letter Y, then com, Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34. 888-Y-REFI-34. Uh I was glad John Shattuck brought that Paul Harvey quote out about self-government requiring self-control. I'd not heard it before, and I'm going to have to um, uh, think, think hard on it and put it in a monologue because it reminds me very much of something Irving Kristol once said, which is, if you believe in self-government, you have to have selves worthy of governing, and that goes... To what the law is to, and that goes to what the prosecutors in law enforcement are to. It's been said that prosecutors have a quasi-judicial function in a sense, in the sense that they aren't just uh, they aren't just people who argue in front of or bring cases to the court. They serve, in a sense, as officers of the court. Officers with a certain angle, yes, and officers with a certain side, yes, but officers of the court whose role is to, at the end of the day, uphold justice. And what is justice? It's what that great judge fictionalized by Tom Wolfe said, Leonard White. It's man's attempt, it's man's feeble attempt to uphold the notion of decency. That's At bottom, what justice is. The effort to uphold decency. We're a far way away from that, aren't we, folks? A far way away from it. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. David Dahl, thank you for uh, managing the Starship Enterprise here today. A little veiled reference to another holiday. For those of you that celebrate Passover, have a happy and healthy and kosher one. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I am Seth Liebsen and class is dismissed.